the move. Blasted towards goal. Cenku Jack got it there. Cenku Jack's first goal in AFL footy. He looks brilliant. Wingard. Spinning move was superb. How good that time to look over his shoulder. Jack Wingard, brilliant. Simply brilliant. That Brockman by hand. More, more. Bends it. Nails it. The Hawks are up by three goals. Grabs the jumper. After the biggest win of the Mitchell era last week, the Hawks backed it up against the Dogs at a home away from home by three points and continued to shake up the eight on the run home. Welcome back to the Hawthorne Fancast, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host James. What did you make about that, mate? I think it was just good that we were able to win ugly after a pretty performance last week. Missed some chances in front of goal, but it was a messy game in Tassie, and you have to expect that. But that was brilliant. That was... It's funny because it was one of the wins of the year, but there were no real. There were some highlights, but there. It's not a replay watcher. We're not looking forward to go to bed tonight with the replay on um, while we fall asleep. It's not one of those games, but it certainly was a mature win and a win that we haven't seen a lot of. I think we've been losing a lot of our close games, and to win a close game is is pleasing. Yeah, and Mitchell made a good message of that in the post-game presser about winning in different ways. And this game was definitely much more of a slog than last week where it was kind of a beautiful game with lots of nice goals, big plays, open spaces. This game was a slog. And our contested ball winners in the middle paved the way for victory. Well, I think it just came down to work rate. And after the first quarter, you could just tell we worked a lot harder, tackling a lot harder and, and just made them earn it and controlled the game. I think... The amount of possession we had in the last three quarters was we, we controlled the whole thing. Yeah, and I think I think speaking of possessions, we need to start with uh, the main man today, the fiftieth gamer. Uh, obviously, Warple played his one hundredth game, but Duke Newcomb, Jai Newcomb, forty touches, a goal. He was fantastic, wasn't he? If he hasn't already arrived. He has definitely arrived now, and I can't believe he's only played 50 games because when you have 40 touches, 30 of them uncontested, 10 score involvements, a goal, all at 85% disposal efficiency, that's one of the best individual performances of the season, if not arguably the best. That's right, and one small forward knocked out as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that brilliant to see Cody Waitman bounce off the Couldn't shoulder? Couldn't have happened to a better bloke, eh? Hey? Oh, and he had a quiet game. Yeah, no, Newcomb was on fire today, and it's just a glimpse, I think, into his potential in the future. As you said, future Brownlow medal winner. I, I, I posed a question to you earlier in the week, off camera, or off mic, and I asked you, what do you reckon has been our biggest sort of, I guess you could say, lucky steal in terms of propelling our rebuild and i'm not sure what your answer was do you, do you remember what you said to that question no i can't i said to you that i reckon john newcomb is our mid-season draft pick is our best i guess thing that's happened to the club in terms of propelling our rebuild forward because without him i don't know where we'd be as a club obviously we still have warple nash and day who are fantastic but newcomb is an absolute steal like a mid-season pick it's like a free draft pick and you get an a-grade player virtually who He's going to become an A-grade player. He's just fantastic. Where'd he come from? He's our premier midfielder. He's, he's playing yeah. like a Brownlow medalist, especially in the last couple of weeks. The the class on him. And, yeah. and I think the, the biggest thing for me is the fact that when he came to the club, I'm like, oh, he's okay as an insider, but yeah. on the outside, his disposal's a bit... That's uh, right, yeah. And then today, some of the kicks he was pulling off, and he's been doing it all year, but his ability to build an outside game as elite as it is 
in 50 games where he came in as a pure inside mid. We saw a massive season from him last year. A massive season. But uh, it was predominantly just a lot of good inside stuff. Now he's added the outside game to his bow and it's working brilliantly. Yeah, from the tackle record in his, four, in his first game, I think um, David King mentioned something about him last week and I completely agreed that mongrel inside player. I mean, I think he's on his way to be having the most tackles, or tackle tackles broken. And, yeah, 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 fantastic. And then also his outside game, he's starting to develop a goal sense as well in terms of launching them from 50. Yeah, he's an absolute bomb. beauty today. Um, and he's kicked actually quite a few goals this year. So I'd be interested to see, for me... He's leading our Peter Crimmins medal right now. Oh, absolutely. And I just, just based on consistency. I, I was really impressed with just the midfield dominance throughout the day. And it wasn't only him, it was it was Nash, it was Warpool, it was Day against one of the best midfielders in the comp. Bailey Smith was nowhere near it. Adam yeah. Trelaw was nowhere McCray near it. McCray was quiet. McCray was very quiet. Yeah. Obviously we got lucky with Libba um getting concussion. But we Wingard like also got that. got taken out for so us, which we will obviously more. get to, but it, it kind of evened that out. And I'm glad Bevo mentioned that in his presser and didn't try to run he away did, from there. Um yeah. and the only one that had a little bit of impact and more so late in the game was the Bont. And he's yeah. always going to have a little bit of impact. Right, but yeah. I feel like we nullified him good enough. And then Ned Reeves won the ruck battle against yeah, Tim English. Ned Reeves. Our whole midfield group, and I think that's... I'm glad you've highlighted multiple plays in there because the thing that stands out for me the most is when we were talking about in mids the last couple of years, there was an over-reliance on Tom Mitchell yep. to, to have good games. Otherwise, there wouldn't really be much place to pick up the slack. You saw Day started hot this game, really hot, and we were like, oh, he's here. I think he's primed. he had nine or ten in the first, but only one in the second. But that's right. when Newcomb stepped up. And that's right. And Newcomb and Warple stepped up, and, da- and Nash came in, had the most clearances. Like, it's... It's such a well-balanced performance. Even Maury and these players are going to sort of rotate in these midfield sort of positions. Connor McDonald was pretty good today. Yeah. It was fantastic to balance on our team. And even to have a game where we actually didn't have one multiple goal kicker, which was a lot of it, I think, was due to our forward line not really firing too much today. And but still, could have had about three goals. If yeah, that's that right. But it's good to see some mids get on the board. I mean, also, Warble kicked an absolute bomb as well at a really crucial time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good day in terms of balance-wise. And, and back on Reeves, I, I think... His performance was really underrated. We saw Meek a yeah. few weeks ago against Marshall for three quarters, and we're like, oh, it's a bit stiff for Meek to get dropped. And, and Reeves did a really nice job last week, kicked a goal, and he could have had two goals today. I know yeah. one was a free kick that uh, was contentious. Like, I don't think there was much The umpires were atrocious today. He kicked a goal, and it got overturned. And, and another one, he uh, the only thing he made the distance, but he was making contests around the ground. Like, he had three marks, a team-high seven tackles. The seven tackles stood out for me, loads. 43 hit-outs compared to English's 32. Wow. Can't yeah. remember and how this much... this is an Australian Ruckman we're talking about in English. Yeah. I can't remember how much we're to advantage, but he gave our mids first use against probably the best midfield in the comp. So if our mids are getting on top, Reeves has to... Yeah, he, he has to take credit for a lot of it. And this was all the more impressive for me because... Our midfield do perform well against sort of the average to below average midfields. This is an elite midfield in the Dogs midfield. Yep. They've got a lot of players that can rotate through there. We spoke about it on our pod last week. We were really scared about the Dogs in terms of their ability to win contested footy and really make it difficult. And they started strong, and I was a bit worried. But our midfields, that it outperformed the Dogs in the end pretty comfortably, I reckon. And I didn't see too much of an influence of any of their midfielders. Bont had some, as you mentioned, in the last quarter. But overall, yeah, I think Reeves is the man right now in the mid in, in the ruck position. Um, yeah. Meek will struggle, I think, to get in the team right now. He was good for no fault of his own, I'll good say. Good for Box Hill. Yep. Uh, but 
It looks like the, the one Ruckman's working the best for us right now. And it's just so positive that we've got a lot of good mids coming through. And a lot of mids that are playing in our side, but not in their natural position. And I'm talking about Ward and C-Mac, who I think they both had 21 touches today and they looked really good. So wait till they're at game 50, like Newcomb was today and at his absolute best. Like Ward and C-Mac only need another... 15 to 20 games in them and we're going to start seeing some good signs from them as well yeah that's right and i think we also have to talk about some of the outside players as well not just inside players i mean it was a welcome back performance by amon today he had absolutely. an absolute monster of a game he had 704 meters going through two touches at 90 percent so 90. yeah he had a game high it's a wand of a left foot he had a game high 13 marks as well and that just yeah. shows his ability to find space yeah. and get uncontested marks and be that link up player and i think feel like his link ups today were excellent he got a goal out of one an absolute banger of a goal from outside 50 at a time where we needed one and laid that crucial tackle in the last minute of the game as and well that to was the highlight of the game for me ice it off yeah fantastic by m1 we really missed him i didn't really realize how much we actually value his kicking we see he seems to be the player in our team who has the biggest license to kick. Whenever he gets a ball, he's usually always putting on the foot. So it was a great welcome back for him. I thought um, Ward and McDonald were both serviceable on the outside. McDonald, I think, was really clean today. Yeah, he was one of my best ons. He's not going to get in my votes, but no, I think the difference. Like I think Ward and C Mac had the same amount of touches, and they're both very good. But the difference is with McDonald, you really notice every touch. Because he's always yeah. doing something really nice with it. He's a bit more mercurial, I, I would yeah. say. That's fair. I think the thing that maybe McDonald needs to work on a little bit more is the finishing. I think he's, he, had he had a couple of chances chance. this game yeah. where he could have probably finished. And in the last couple of rounds, I've noticed that as well. I, that, I, go, that, that goes for a lot of our players today. Though. Yeah, that's and, true. And if you look at the score sheet, everyone that kicked a goal almost had a behind next to their name as well. I know Warport at the end. Uh, could have really sealed the game with a nice snap. And it's one that he kicked nine times out of ten and yeah, he rushed it and yeah. missed. And it gave them a chance to go down the other yeah, end. Yeah, we did almost lose that ourselves again. I, I kind of had flashbacks to the Adelaide game and the Giants yep. game earlier in the year. Um, obviously, Walpole had that chance. Mitch Lewis could have iced that off from his sort of range. I sort of back him to kick that let's, as well. Let's talk about that. So, yep. Mitch Lewis, there's a minute to go. Mm-hmm. And he has it from 55. And, and he took the mature decision and he iced to take 30 seconds off the yep. clock. And he used it pretty much. I think by the time it went through the points, there was about 32 seconds left. And Tim English decides he wants to play on from the goal square. And three, bounces. three bounces. Three bounces. He had, Bailey, he had Ed Richards or Bailey Dale or one of them right next to him. And Bruce almost rushed him as well. Oh, and then he goes long and... I mean, Pulto almost marked it. It came to ground. I think Dale was there, and then Amon just laid the tackle, and it was all she wrote. But my God, was that a coaching error from Luke Beveridge to let English be the kicking taker when Ed Richards, moments ago, kicked one out, and it went end-to-end for the goal to, to bring it back to to within a goal. Yeah. So I don't know what the dogs were doing there. Yeah, we definitely almost let the game slip. I will say we completely deserve the win. We're in control for oh, the better absolutely. part of three quarters. I wish we had to ice the game off. We were about, I think, 22 points up in that last quarter, one point. Yeah, there was a Cozzy set shot really easy. It was before yeah. DGB kicked his goal. Yeah. But Cozzy had That's one right. about three minutes earlier. about 30 outside angle. And I remember thinking at the time that we're in control. If he kicks it, it's going to make it really, really hard. hard. Yeah. And that kind of left the door open. And then that they Oscar Baker kicked the goal from 50 out against the winds, mind you. Yeah, that was out of his ass. And when that went through, I'm like, oh, that's just going to give him momentum, isn't it? And then sure enough, it did, and they kept coming. But credit, I feel like, and Sam Mitchell mentioned in his presser that we've actually been training scenario-based uh, close game sort of things the last couple of weeks, which is good. And I'm pretty sure he means from 
the Richmond game onwards because yep. how professional was it last week closing out the game and then again today even though the dogs were coming we kept forcing stoppages and then when we did have the ball we were so composed with it so composed with still taking that short option still trying to switch but not play erratic dangerous footy that we were in the first half of the year and if you go back to those GWS and Adelaide losses we were trying to play champagne footy yeah. really fast around And keeping the stuff. ball alive as well, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And and we really took the sting out of it as much as we could, even with the dogs coming in and their midfield stepping up for a nice five to ten minute period in the last quarter. Yeah, you just feel like this group's learning week by week and we're starting to really iron out our deficiencies as a club. I mean... If we play this 10 rounds earlier, we lose this game. We're maturing. We've got enough games into... I shouldn't say enough, but we've got more games into our our youngsters for them to know what to do in these situations. And we're obviously training that. Obviously, when we're getting beat 50 points every week, you don't train scenario-based stuff. Now that we're getting competitive and the games are getting closer, uh, we can really run out games and close them out the way we've been doing. And before we get on to things we maybe didn't like of the game, I do want to stay just for a second with our 100th gamer, James Warpool, just to have a proper chat about him. He's had, obviously, oh. a lot of time in the brown and gold. He was, he's was he been enormous this year, definitely back to Peter Crimmins' medal winning form. He had 25 touches, 13 contested possessions, one goal, one, and he went 80% as well today. So, fantastic game by Warpool. He's been a big servant for the club. So, my question to you, James, is what is your favourite James Warpool moment? Oh, I mean... He, he's had a few, and I remember back when he stripped the ball off Gary Ablett in a Just tackle, pick one, please. when he spun out of Selwood, but it's got to be the Essendon game where Michael Hurley falls over, the <laughs> Warpedo into the open goal um, to win us the game against the Scum. Warple, the Warpedo! <laughs> that was Biggest excellent. moment of his life! <laughs> that, that was um, truly his best moment, but oh, he's having a great year. Yeah, fantastic. So, love James Warple's game today. I think he's had a really workman-like season overall he's, he's been, been very consistent sort of when we've been struggling he's getting the packs bursting at tackles he doesn't get caught holding the ball very often for a player who shirks tackles so we've got those two Newcomb and Warple in there who seem to be very big balls and then Day's a sort of complimentary rolls Royce on the outside Dylan Moore had a fantastic game today any other players you want to highlight of, of who you thought was really good? I thought Scrimshaw, for me, was yeah. enormous back there. We did speak on the last pod about how dangerous their three-tall forward line would be, and it looked like early they were getting off the chain with Lobb, Hagen, and Norton all getting involved. But I thought Scrimshaw's efforts all day were fantastic. I, I actually have him in my votes. I will say that already. I think um, our defense is so much more settled with him in the back six. Yeah. He just creates more structure. When he's in the side, we seem to stand a bit taller, knowing that he's there for the intercepts. And he took some nice marks and just did some really nice defensive efforts, whether that was just creating stoppages, yeah. whether that was um, winning their own ground ball and dishing it out, uh, whether that was his tackling pressure. And he's playing with a little bit more intensity. That's been a knock on his game, and he was really good today. And credit to him, I think Mitchell has done really well this year at sort of sending players to Box Hill at the right time. He went back to Box Hill. Cozzy went back to Box Hill. And Ward went back to Box Hill at one point. All three of them have come back in the team and look like mainstays right now. Cozzy, I want to highlight there as well, because he took eight marks today and he was just enormous. In key moments of the game, I thought he was a really big presence because Mitch Lewis definitely was having a tough day getting sort of worn down. So, yeah, really loved the game for um, um, both Scrimshaw and uh, and Cozzy. Before we get to our three two ones, I'm going to throw a few names at you and you're going to say whether we contract them or whether we they we either seek out a trade oh, or put him in the spot. Okay. So first one is James Warple. 
Yes. Contract. Give me a contract. I, I send, and I'll mention this because I know I meant, I talked about this on the pod a couple of weeks back about what do we look at with James Warple? Is he going to be in our next premiership team? We've got a lot of mids on the list. How are they going to get in? And I was very much for giving a trade because I think we can get a lot for him and we may be able to cover another position. Now, I'm not saying that's completely out of the question. We have a lot of mids on our list. Yeah. Hustaway's not going to be able to get in the team. Ned Any Long, other, yeah, Ned Cooper Long, Stevens. Cooper Stevens, all these players are going to struggle. McDonald can't play in the mid and develop as a midfielder. Ward is going to have to be cut out to the wing probably for the rest of his career if, he, you know, if that's how it's going to be. Um, our mids are kind of locked in. But Warple's season has been so good. At least conversation's ridiculous for him. I'd actually probably just be holding on to him. I, I think he's proven me wrong in a lot of aspects. His kicking is still suspect. I'm not going to deny that. But for now, I can't. And this may be because I'm speaking on the day of another win and he's had a fantastic game on his 100th game. But I'll give him a contract, yes. DGB. No. Morrison. I'll speak to DGB for a second. I just think I need to justify myself. I have been a fan of giving DGB time for a while. I think when you're playing as a third tall and you've got two other people taking out players, you can at least make a bit more of an impact as he did. I'm not sure if we give him another contract just to have him on the list because we have a lack of key positional talent. But for me, I just can't see him being really a starting 22 mainstay. So I'm going to say no for DGB. Yeah, he's not making it as a defender. He's not making Who's the next it as one? a forward. Harry Morrison. Yes. I think he's been fantastic since coming in the team. At worst, he just becomes a good depth yeah. player, yeah. really. And so. you need depth. Yeah. You need depth. Uh, Cozzy. Yes. Justify it. Thank you. Yep, <laughs> I will. I, I will say I wasn't on this side of the fence at all, but I think he position talents are so hard to find. And all that keeps going through my mind is how much in early days we were against Mitch Lewis. Yeah. And we thought, oh, I don't think Mitch Lewis is really gonna, ever going to become something. Cozzy, for me, he's a bit of a potato and he's the, one of the most frustrating people on the list. But honestly, when he plays, we play better. And I can't f- see us getting someone in the short term or even medium term that will hold that position. And at least he needs to be on there for depth because Jack is gone. So, yeah. And if DGB is gone as well, who else do you have? You need to hold one of them. So, Cozzy, I think, will stay on the list. Absolutely. I think the last two weeks he's played extremely well. Are there well. any of those you disagree with me on? No, I think I think you're pretty spot on. So, I justified I think, well. Okay. I think Morrison is one that... He's been given a lot of chances, but he's there for leadership that if it comes to the point where we're being really aggressive in the trade period and the draft period, then Morrison might be one that could be unlucky. And, oh. and Cozzy probably fits that category as well. But based on current form, they probably deserve a contract. But I don't think I'd be going, let's sign them up tomorrow. Yeah. Let's wait till the draft and free agency trade period is over before we decide on what we're going to do with them. I'll throw you one. I know. Chad Wingard. And I was going to throw you to that one next. Um, and that's really put me on the spot because Chad Wingard has been in awesome form and I was devastated in the first minute when yeah. he's gone and done his Achilles. And we saw Roughhead do that in 2011, missed that half of the year plus the final series and then came back early 2012 and had a really good year um, and then won the Coleman in 2013. And he was pretty old then, not as old as what Wingard is now. Um, devastated first for Chad. Yeah. Um, that that could be anywhere between a six month and eighteen month injury. And if it's six months then that he means he's back for the start of next year. So if you just square those off in the middle, it's most likely gonna be about a twelve month sort of injury yeah. time frame in terms of So him. 
based yeah. on this exercise, let's call it 12 months. Let's say that he's back halfway through after the buy next year. Yeah. I am giving him a contract, but it's a one year on less money. Well, yeah. And if he wants it, then I'm, I'm giving it to him. Because at the end of the day, he's an X-Factor player. He's a player that when we do push for finals, maybe not next year, but the year after, he's going to be that nice cream and that nice... Uh, setting up, us up for scores and, and what he's been doing this year, if he can get back to that, um, he's very valuable. And I think there's still a list spot for Chad. And I feel like with an injury now, his trade currency has gone down. That's that right. He's not worth as much as what he'd be if he wasn't injured. I think that latter part is what I'm sort of on as well, is that what are we going to get from him if we did list him? What's going to happen? I mean, let's be honest, our small forwards in our list right now, than Luke Brewster... Average because we we're resigned to the fact that Tyler Brockman's probably pretty much to go. pretty much his papers are pretty much Sam stamped. Butler hasn't come on and we can't rely on him to just be taking that spot next year and playing twenty four games even with a good preseason. Yep. Jack O'Sullivan's still raw and he's been a bit injured and on and off this year. Josh Bennett's is another one that I don't expect to be playing anytime soon. And then it's like, well, who do we draft? Do we draft a Kyle Oman? Do we draft a Jade Gresham? Uh, who do we have to put into that forward line? Well, let me throw you some questions then, because it's good you mentioned those players, because I'm about to ask you, what small forward comes in? Because it looks like that's a position on our on our team that we really need to be looking at, along with key forward and defender. But for me, forward pocket is also a big position. All right, Kyle Lohman. Yeah, he's, he's a young player from Brisbane. You say yes to him? Yeah, I'd say yes to him. He's a, he's a young talent. And yes, he's unproven at the AFL level. He's good mates with Sam Butler. Um, he's been cracking in the VFL. Uh, I think he just suits the age demographic. Of, of course, I'm going for Kyle Lohman as a really cost-effective spot that could be anything. All right. Zach Fisher? No. Hard no, and I don't even need to justify it. I just don't think... I think Carlton have experimented throwing him in the midfield. I don't think he's a natural small forward. I think he's a natural midfielder that will never make it at AFL level due to his size. So after saying he didn't need to justify it, you justified it? Yeah. Okay. All good. <laughs> Jade Gresham. Nah, he kicked four today, and he was really good today. I think he's um, he's one of those players that he's absolutely firing when you're on top and you're winning. Uh, but when you're losing, he's, he's almost worst on. And, and he's been so subbed. any small forward. I know, I know. He's been subbed a lot of the times this year for St Kilda. I think he's super inconsistent. He's super injury prone. Um, and I think he would Saints would want too much in terms of pay. Like, I think him and St Kilda would want too much okay. for him. All good. No. Thanks for that, playing my little game. Um, before we move on to 3-2-1s, I actually just want to talk about who... Didn't you like the look of today? I thought James Blank was terrible. Yeah, me too. I thought he looked far off at a lot of times, stuck behind Norton. Now, I'm not saying it's an easy task to play on Norton, but I thought he was average with the boys. Norton was fumbly. lucky. Norton was lucky he didn't convert. Yeah. Because there were so many times where James Blank was so far off his man. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, wait, why is why is Norton having a free run at this ball? Yeah. And Norton, Norton's a fantastic player. He launches himself at the footy. He's a bit clumsy, he's really isn't he, Blanky? Good. He's really good on the lead, but James Blank was nowhere near him today and got a bit of a bath. And thank God we won that game because I think off the top of the podcast, if had we lost, James Blank would probably be getting a little bit more of a grilling than what he's currently getting. Yeah, there's a period of the game where we were both saying every time he goes into the ball, nothing's good's really happening right now. He looked fumbly, he looked clumsy at times. 
um, yeah, I thought he had a bit of an average game. And I will say, Blanky for me overall's had a pretty good year. Yeah, just I today, rate, I just, just today, I didn't think he was on on song too much. Um, anyone else? Yeah, just DGB, uh, yeah. especially early on in the game. He had that handball fuck up where I don't know who he was going to go to, but someone was about to stream into an open goal when he missed the handball. Uh, a few marks dropped, a few set shots missed. Um, yeah, just didn't yeah. like. I think we're used to Sticks Ryan. The last mm-hmm. two weeks and, and what he's shown. And, I was disappointed. He and was you out. could just feel that if Sticks Ryan was there today that he would have got at least two goals. It was just that sort of day that I think Sticks Ryan really would have been a hard matchup because he's a little bit taller. He's yeah. a little bit awkward and hard to move out the way. Offers a little bit more of a contest than what DGB does. And right. got his hands to probably more balls, crashed a little bit more packs. I think DGB was pretty much a non-influence today. Uh, what do you make of Jarman Ippi's game? I think uh, what what you get with Jar, what you see is what you get, and he's such a hard worker. He's always given a hundred percent effort, and he's one of the best leaders yep. at the club. But I do feel since he's come off back from injury, um, that some of his skills and decision making has been really weird and yeah. unusual. And there, there was a few times today where he did something nice, and then the next time he got it, he'd burn it and he'd kick it. He he does this thing where he overkicks the ball. Um, and he kicks it over players' heads, or it's like he has no weight in his kicks. Um, so he was a little bit off, but there was nothing... He, like, he's not droppable. No, definitely not. I just mentioned him because I think he's had a bit of a dip in form recently. Uh, every time he seems to get an injury, he just performs at maybe 20% less. So yeah. I just wanted to float him there. What do you make of BMAX, uh first game in, you know, 10 rounds, I guess you could say, since yeah, since, well, since a port game, really? It was his first win good on him, and I think got 15 touches from yeah, coming started on. shaky. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to mention, he came on as sub really early and what not what he expected his day to look like. Um, and then he made that error in the first quarter where we coughed off a goal from it, where he handballed to Sicily, who Sicily was under pressure, and then he got it back. And then he tried to kick it to Nash and it got intercepted and it was goal to, I think, Adam Trelaw. And I was like, oh, mate, like, that's pissed me off. Yeah, that's that was- pissed me off. But then he, 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 from that moment on, he looked really settled. Like he looked like he had played a few games for the club. It didn't look to, the game didn't look to phase him. Um, he was using run and carry, and every time he got it, Kelly Underwood would call him Josh Weddle. Um, <laughs> I saw that online actually. Yeah, I, saw, so I noticed in the moment as well. Yeah, he went at eighty percent in the end, so he actually yeah. had a pretty serviceable game. Got fifteen touches. Um, yeah, I thought he was pretty serviceable in the end. He's got he's got pace to burn. I would really like to see him use that pace, similar with how Weddle does it. Um, For who, me, he probably gets another game, whether that be sub or starting. Yeah, I'm not sure. it's hard right now because Seamus Mitchell didn't play. Yeah. So the question is, does he just come back? He in has or? to sort of lap Mitchell. Yeah. And who do you prefer? I mean, who do you prefer, Seamus Mitchell? Still, you know what? I think they're like really similar players. They are. They're kind of like speedy, bursty kind of halfback flankers. Yeah. Obviously, Seamus Mitchell's played way more games. And yeah. Has been ultra consistent for us all year but I'm neither here or there with either I think they're both offer something and they're both fine yeah I'll say on, on Weddle just just briefly before we get into our 3 2 he actually went at 94% our most highest disposal efficiency off 18 touches today so wow. Weddle who I didn't really maybe notice too much in terms of any running carry went, I feel like Weddle really safe I feel like Weddle had a lot of his balls in the back pocket and half back flank which yeah. is his position but just obviously. good to see he's, he's not burning balls away because yeah. I don't think his kicking is the best in the league so yeah, I was going to say, all right, James. Well, uh, we've, we've talked about pretty much pretty every much every player. player. I just realised that. Uh, let's get into our three, two, ones. Obviously, number three is no surprise at all. It's got to be Giant Newcomb. That's and then, right. 
I, I love your confidence on that. You couldn't have anyone else. As I said at the top of the podcast, it was probably one of the best individual performances, not only for our club, but for the whole comp uh, this year. The, 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 it's a no-brainer. If you don't have him at your as your three, there's you need to get checked. Like there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And his personal best at 40 touches, the most score involvements of the day at 10, went 85% disposal efficiency, dropped Waitman, as we mentioned before. <laughs> and kicked a nice goal. And kicked a beauty. Uh, Newcomb was the spark that lit out fire for our victory on the weekend, which is fantastic. And um, Amon was your two? Yeah, he was. So that's yeah. a, another good confidence by you. I thought Amon was just that the brilliant. Best game, best game for the club. Yeah, he's going to be up there. He's had a few good games, I think, Amon. But today, just seeing how much we... I mean, I reckon he's going to be a player in the future that might get tagged for us. Cause he's, really? He, well, I'll tell you why. Because know, yeah. he's our outside player that's our weapon, right? It's similar to the how... We were trying to tag like Bailey Dale and those sort Ed of players Langdon, on the outside. Yeah, one, Ed Langdon. Yeah. Those kind of like Nick Dacos is sort of similar with his uncontested possessions on the players who use the ball well, you want to make sure as your opposition team you get it out of their hands. And Amon was dangerous today because every single time he had the ball, I was like, Great, he'll hit a target. He was fantastic today. I've got his stats here somewhere. Yeah, seven hundred and four meters gain, ninety percent. But uh, disposal efficiency, he had 32 touches. He was enormous, and he had that big tackle at the end. So, Carl Amon has been an excellent recruit for our club. Um, no one can deny that. And who'd you have at number one vote? Or oh, one vote? I had Blake Hardwick. Yeah, good call. And I had him at one. Not only did he keep Waitman to five touches and almost non-existent, mm-hmm. and the only time we saw Waitman was when he was riding off Jai Newcomb's shoulder. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to keep yeah. bringing up this all the uh, week long, aren't wasn't we? Wasn't that brilliant? Um, he had 22 touches, which he, he can be a higher possession getter at times, but he was creating most of our plays off halfback, which is actually not normally his role. So I feel like he used the ball really well. He was normally that link up when we went to switch. So we'd normally go back to Hardwick and then Hardwick would switch onto the other side. Um, and I thought he was really strong. He had 11 marks. So we could just say how much of a uh, of a link-up player he was. And two of those were contested. So he's obviously doing the defensive things well as well. But yeah, to keep one of the more dangerous players in Cody Waitman to five touches speaks volumes. And Cody Waitman, he played a final down at Lawn Session a few years ago against Essendon and kicked about five or six goals. So he knows the ground. He knows how to play it. He normally plays it well. And Hardwick, just put him in his pocket. Yeah, I struggled for my one vote. It was going to be between uh, Dylan Moore and Jack Scrimshaw. Oh, Dylan Moore is not a bad shout. Yeah, Dylan Moore had 24 touches. He had the most pressure acts on the ground. He had 11 contested possessions, which was the third highest. And obviously, the, the two above him were both inside midfielders. Did you see the goal he kicked? Where he just, yeah, yeah, he just stripped <laughs> it off Cozzy and, and kicked it his over bread the basket. That was yeah. beautiful. And he also had two tackles inside 50, which was the most along with Cozzy. So he was fantastic, but I actually had to give the scrim because on a day where their tall forwards were looming to blow us out of the water, I thought he was the best tall defender on the ground yep. this week. And I, I every time he went near the ball and every time he did something, I thought great positioning, great body work. His intensity has lifted since going to Box Hill. Um, and I just had to give it to scrim. Yeah, I feel honourable mentions also go to like Nash and Sicily and their players yeah. that we haven't talked about as well. Yeah, and Day as well. I think you got to oh, put Will in there Day as well. Excellent. It's just it's interesting because I've had Newcomb in this honourable mentions column for the last I think two weeks. Yeah, and that's the beauty of having such a good midfield is that one of them is usually going to get the three or the two votes, but the other ones aren't far off. It's just 
there was one that stood out beyond the rest. It's good to see other areas of our ground working because I feel like the early podcast, we were just going three, two, ones, Newcomb Warple Day. Yeah, that's right. And Nash and who started the season. Yeah, well and it was well. good to see a non-reliance on um, James Sisley today as well. Absolutely. He had, a, he had a great game, but he did. I, I think it's always hard when he has to match up on a key forward and Rory Lobb is a guy that normally kills us and I think he still kicked two goals, but he didn't look that dangerous obviously he kicked one really late in the game and i'm like oh here we go rory lob i thought sisley was outstanding on lob but obviously sisley's not going to get uh, off the chain if he's playing on someone like that so we can't expect a 40 disposal or like a similar performance to last week from sisley when he has to man at all yep and before we get into the next game and our changes uh just want to have a quick little chat about um the dogs have one of our draft picks yeah, I believe it's round, linked to the draft pick. So I reckon this win was important in another aspect where hopefully they drop some spots low and we might have destroyed their season, which is great to see because I think the dogs are extremely middle of the road. I mean, the year. race to finals, how interesting is that? Obviously, we wish we were in the running, but to ruin seasons and obviously we we didn't knock off Collingwood in any means considering there's still three games top of the ladder, but to go this week and... Uh, knock off the dogs and put their whole finals yeah like they're almost out that that that's amazing obviously we're helping a bit of Essendon Geelong we don't like doing that no no and Sydney as well but uh yeah it's good to shake up the eight and it's just good to have a bit of belief right like this is one of the peaks we've had in the Mitchell rebuild it's got to be these two back-to-back wins against uh two really top four slash finals contenders it's fantastic for well we've beaten four sides in the eight and it kind of shows that we might be sitting 16th now but if we're beating side there's not much of a gap between us and the best sides in the comp because we're beating Collingwood, we're beating Brisbane, we're beating St Kilda, we're beating the Bulldogs. All four of those teams should be playing finals this year. Maybe one of the Dogs or Saints miss, more likely the Dogs. Um, but that just means that next year, if, if all goes well and the stars align, we could we could find ourselves in the finals. Yeah, I'm not really sold on us making finals next year, probably the no. year after. Yeah. But I... I understand what you mean i think it's when we start beating these annoying little bogey teams we have such as gold coast and Fremantle and those sort of middle of the road teams more often where we can really view ourselves as like genuine contenders because i think we've always actually kind of played well against top sort of teams yeah we usually stand up well for big games when we get good crowd numbers in but it's just the consistency as mitchell mentioned yeah MCG next Sunday at 3.20. We take on the Ds. And yeah, we what a took, time to diverse them as well. Well, it's a, it's our first Channel 7 game since probably Easter Monday or thereabouts or the GWS game. So we haven't had a Channel 7 game in in weeks and weeks and weeks. And forget um, Channel 7. Get down to the ground, boys. Absolutely. Fill the, fill the stands at the G. But if you can't get there, tune in. You actually have a game you don't have to pay for. It's live and free. Um yeah, we, we played them early in the year and got absolutely towed up, apart from a third quarter where Weddle kicked his first goal, Ken McKenzie kicked his first goal, yep. and the G was actually pumping and loud. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, get the boys yeah. and girls down to the ground. We we want to crowd for this one, I reckon, because we're on a two-game winning run right now, and I honestly, it's really lovely going to the ground. We've been to the ground almost every single home game, realistically. Yep. Every the last game, every Melbourne game. Ten years. Yep. And the crowd numbers look like they're slowly rising again. When people were getting belief, we got some players that are really coming through to watch. We want us to keep seeing those crowd numbers good because against Collingwood, it was quite healthy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, look at look what we did to Collingwood two weeks ago. We didn't give ourselves a chance for mm. that one. 
Um, and, and this could be in a similar vein. Melbourne coming off a loss to Carlton, just like Collingwood was coming off a loss to Carlton. Uh, <laughs> That's a good similarity so, point. And we, they like they were expected... Collingwood were expected to pummel us. And Melbourne, I expect going into this... Um, even though we're coming off two wins and we're probably more of an informed side than they are, surprisingly. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, by, we're by far the underdogs. Definitely, and it's a team we've, we actually have struggled at with quite a lot, with Max yep. Gorn tearing us to shreds for multiple games. Uh, their midfield getting on top of us when we had our slow poke, Mitchell and Amir in there. But now there's just a little bit of fire in the Hawks team. You just never know in this game. It's one of those ones sort of like Collingwood where we're probably going to be tipping heavily against us, but you just never know. Absolutely. What what do you make of the changes coming into this week? Obviously, we'll have a force change with Wingard out of the side, so he needs to be replaced. Um, who else do you have going out? Yeah, this one's an interesting one. I, I think it was kind of straightforward as well, though. Uh, obviously, there are more force changes. Wingard is going to be out, and I'm replacing him with none other than Fergus Green, who I think is the most unlucky player to yeah. probably drop from our team all season. He has had his ultra-quiet games, but... I think he's like fourth highest goal kicker on that list, and he's only played like I half don't know, the games. Yeah, yeah, ten games or something like that. So I think it's only fair, and I think he also kicked three or four goals at Box Hill this weekend. He was our top goal goal scorer there. I think he has to come in. It's only fair. And the other one I've got coming in is another forward, which is Brandon Ryan for Denver because I just yep. thought Denver was yep. once again didn't really give me too much to to be celebrative of in the forward line. It's a bit of a shake up for our forward line. Obviously, there's also the potential that Tyler Brockman might come in, but if it's true that his papers are pretty much signed and he's on his way out, I don't really see the point yeah. in playing him. Agreed, agreed. I actually had the same changes as you. The only one that could be different is if we bring Seamus Mitchell straight back into the side. Or, or possibly Sam Butler, if they decide to go that way, we yeah. end up with a, with a like-for-like small forward. Obviously, there could be a debut for O'Sullivan maybe, but I don't think he's been really close to it recently. So I think that's probably going to be the likelihood. Well, it's a good segue into Melbourne, and I feel like Fergus isn't a bad inclusion, obviously with Ryan, because they have such a tall yeah, defence. Yeah, I think we got to so go for. not only do they have May and Lever, they have guys like um, like Trent Rivers that's also kind of tall. So they've got other players that are tall, Tomlinson and whoever. I don't even know if he's getting a game, but they've got a few defenders. Petty as well. Petty's injured, I think, as well. So they've got a... All I know is their defence stands a little bit taller than most. Um, They don't really have really... Like Judd McVie is another one that's kind of tall um, that Fergus would be a good matchup for. So I don't care if we go tall, unless the conditions are going to be super wet. Um, I think Melbourne is one side with... We play a game against them called Kick It to Max Gorn. So the more... Defend, uh, the more tall people we have, the better. And then I like the three tall forwards. Yeah. Because when we do kick it to Max Gorn, there can well, be someone crashing got, a pack. At least we've got yeah. Mitch Lewis up the That's ground right. now, and we can keep Ryan and Cozzy uh, deep. And, and how good was Cozzy and Lewis today with getting up the ground and taking some really important marks? If we can do that against Melbourne. Um, that's almost the key to winning because I feel like the way Melbourne's been beating us in recent seasons is them intercepting us around the ground. And is, that's not just May and Lever, it's Max Gorn as well. That's so. right. That three-person tall forward line, I was really looking forward to seeing. Obviously, when Ryan annoyingly got uh, withdrew on the Saturday for illness, it was kind of kind of annoying. Uh, but that three-person forward line worked fantastic against Collingwood at the same ground. Yep. I would like to see it again against uh, what I would call a pretty elite defence. It works well against Melbourne. I feel like we struggled today without Brandon Ryan in because we kicked it a lot inside 50 and it was always getting intercepted 
by the dogs. And, and you can't play that way against Melbourne because they intercept. But I feel like with Ryan, Cozzy and Lewis all in the same spot, um, it, it might work a little bit better. Uh, yeah. We just need to find some smalls at the feet to be able to, to kick some goals as well, especially with Wingard out. And I feel like our scoring really dried up today due to Wingard going out that we need to find a quick fix because we're not going to see him in another 12 months. Yeah, that's probably my only reservation with not maybe putting in Brockman because we sort of need another player. But he left a really bad taste in my mouth his last couple of games he played with yeah. his level of intent and pressure. I just I think his energy was low. Wingard's been the opposite where he looks like he's been playing for a contract. And I just really can't find another player in my mind right now who's going to be that creator, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I agree with you when you said we should give Wingard another contract. We don't have a lot of players on our list who are good creators of goals. Um, but, yeah, the one thing I have to ask you first is who will Finn go to? Because Finn did a good job today. He tagged he about three or four people and he kept them all quiet when he was calling them. He tagged Ed Richards, uh, Bailey Dale. He and tagged Libba. Uh, Libba. I think he might have gone to one other person at one point. But anyway, he might have gone to Bont at one stage. Mind, but, was off or but I did read that he that he pretty much kept everyone, you know, to nothing when he was yeah. on them. So Finn's our cooler, the ice block. I think they were calling him on on the uh, TV uh, broadcast. Yeah. Um, you know, not, well, not not Kelly, but Hilly. Uh, who who does he go for? I think. Um, so we saw. If, we saw last year he went to Ed Langdon and he, and he really stopped and he him. He murdered him, yeah. But Ed Langdon hasn't really been playing at that level yeah. uh, this year. I'm not saying that he can't. Um, but I think Petrarca is definitely their most dangerous. Yeah. I just don't know if Nash might be, especially when Petrarca's in the middle, that Nash might be a better matchup for Petrarca, who's a little bit like Bont. Um, and I feel like Finn, if there's players that he struggles against, it's just those guys that are really hard to tackle and a little bit bigger, that he's more suited to half-backs, wingers, half-forwards, and, and those playmakers. So yeah. I think he does go to Langdon based on that. Okay. I think there's a few players. I or, mean, I- or, and this guy's been a contested beast, and he's actually had a really good year, and, and no one's really going to mention this, I feel, but I actually think he might go to Jack Viney. Interesting. I mean, Jack like, Viney's it's fair. Jack a really hard, tough Similar with Libba. Player, but I think that if we can take Viney... Obviously, they've got Clayton Oliver back, and Clayton Oliver and Petrarca and, and Viney, that's probably the best mid in the combo. We've just come out off beating one of the best mids in the combo in the Bulldogs. Um, that I do feel like, although Ed Langdon could be dangerous, Finn probably needs to take away one of those mids. Yeah, I think he'll do something similar to the Dogs game, where he'll probably start on an inside mid. But I wouldn't really mind looking at him tagging maybe like a Christian Salem. Yeah, I was thinking that, but I'm like, oh, yeah, Salem being that damaging and good off halfback. Yeah, like, I mean, he's decent. Yeah. I think it's just that's the position Finn probably tags the best. He's like an yeah. outside winger or a halfback. So I think the risk is, obviously, if he goes to Petrarca, that he might sort of pull him into weird positions forward where you can outmark him or yeah. something like that. I think um, generally I'd like to see Finn probably start on, on an inside mid, whether it's Viney, Clary, or Petrarca. I'd say Petrarca originally. Yeah. Um, but the thing I'm loving about Finn right now, his versatility to not just line up one person but actually get switch. an in-game direction to go, okay, this guy's damaging us. Let's switch to him now so yeah. we can call him for a little while. It really saps the confidence out of those players. And and he always does the job. Like, when he went on Richards today, it worked. It's pretty right? much a guarantee that that player's going to be taken out of the game. Yeah. That's why it's fantastic. It's not just like, oh, he's tagging them. He actually, like, takes them out of the game. It's funny. People tell me, they're like, but Finn's a liability with the ball. But I'm like, yeah, I don't care because it just makes it 21 v 21 because he takes the opposition's best player yeah. out. And Finn may not be the most gifted player skill-wise and with ball in hand, but it doesn't matter because as long as he's taking the best player out from the other team, then who cares? And that's what we talked about last week as well, about 
how we were always big on him adding strings to his bow. But if we're winning games and their best players are getting nullified, that's a weapon. And I'll, you don't get rid of your weapons. <laughs> I want to go back to changes just for one second because something's just come to mind. But okay. Melbourne just brought back Brody Grundy. So they've got Brody Grundy and Max Gorn playing in the same side. And, and Brody Grundy wasn't that great, but there's two things. One, he goes down forward and has a nice rest and, and can be damaging in front of goals when he wants to be. He hasn't had a great year, um, but that's something that he can do. And two, do you reckon one of our rucks can take both Gorn yeah, and Grundy? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Mickey might be called back in. The other one I was just thinking about is, what about the Frostman? Frosty, Max Ramsden might get a go. Maybe There's a lot of... Yeah, I reckon it's going to be a big of a mental battle this week. Like, because instead of bringing Ryan back, you bring Ramsden I back. think Ryan has to come back. Yeah. I think when you're on a six-month contract, you've only got two more games left of the season. We need to see what he's really capable of. He'll probably get a contract either way, but just we want to see more of him, let's yeah. be honest. So Ryan will come back, but I, I do know what you mean about balance. If they're going to play really tall, we might need to match him in that aspect. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think when you've won two games in a row, you don't tinker with the team too much. Absolutely. So, Frosty, I, I, I'm i guessing, might not even come back, to be honest with you. I think no, they might just I, back in their defense. Cause, I think his papers are stamped. Yeah. It, it, the only change I can think of for Frosty is, mate, if Blank needs a rest because he looked a bit off today. Yeah. That's the only thing I could see that change happening. And they both sort of play similarly. With They just sort of lock down a player. They don't really use the ball very well. So, he could probably do a like-for-like swap for Blank. But, yeah, it's a good point. Meek actually might come in. I guess we have to rejig that if that's the case. So, do you, what do you reckon if Meek comes in? What what will change? Um, well, I think you still take a small out, to be honest. Not at all. Um, so, like... Maybe. And it's harsh. And I said his name last week. But he just seems like the player that you take out when you can't decide. And, and that's Harry Morrison. But it might be Bailey McDonald. Harsh, yeah. Uh, I don't sense. think they will. I think they'll back Harry again. Yeah. He looked pretty good today. Yeah, all right. Well, thank God we're not recruiters or Absolutely on, the, on the selection committee. That's we, such a hard job. Of, yeah, because of, I, mean, I don't mind just doing it for discussion purposes this week, but geez, I would hate doing it for an actual AFL team. <laughs> Who's your player to watch? Yeah, my player to watch is uh, going to be a different one this week. It's not really because I think he's going to have a big day out necessarily, but because I really want to see how he goes this week. Yeah. And that's Mitch Lewis. Ah, oh, yes. Mitch Lewis he's got blanketed quiet. today. He probably had his, I reckon, his maybe quietest game for the year. One of them. One, one of the ones I can think of in a win. Giants, he, he was quiet, but in a win, Yeah, yes. usually in a loss, obviously, you're not going to be scoring high. But in a win, he was kept to one goal, and that goal was off a kick-in that was a, just a missed kick by Ed Richards. Um, yep. So I, I want to see how he goes on Day and Lever. May, sorry, and Lever. Yep. Uh, yeah, see if he can bounce back. See if he can kick, kick multiple goals. Be nice to see. Well, mine, just to back up his performance today is Ned Reeves and he's got the biggest task because I'm, as glad, I said I'm before, glad you mentioned that one Gorn and, and Grundy um, so if he sh- if he shuts down if he plays a similar game to what he did today how he shut down English on Gorn um, then he may have a really good game and it may go a long way into us maybe sneaking a win um, but if, if Brody Grundy plays as well, then he might need a mate in Lloyd Meek to help him out in that area. But I feel like Ned Reeves he had one of his best games for the year today. Um, that if he can back up that performance, and that's so important. Starting to recapture some form, the big noodle. Yeah, I mean, like today was a step in the right direction, and last week okay. he had a fine game as well and kicked a nice goal. So, yeah, Ned's been fine. I, there's no, I don't really have it. I didn't have a knock on his game. He didn't do anything annoying today. I think gave away that... It was just when he gave away that free kick when he kicked the goal, but I yeah. don't even think that was there. Yeah, yeah. Noodle, Um, he's been one of those sort of players where he's probably been our biggest... 
I would say Basher all year, and maybe the most one of the most disappointing players. I think a lot of players who started the season on poor form have really come into their own the second half of the year. I think yeah. Moore has his output has gone back to his last year's output again. Um, uh, Wardy since coming back in has been fantastic for me. Yeah. McDonald's had a great year in overall. Love so it's just good to see uh, uh, some of our players that were low on form coming to their own. And Cozzy was one of his best games here as well. So. I yeah. feel like it, we're winning games because a lot of our players are actually playing in form. Like, there's not too many in the team that you can be like, oh, they haven't been that great. And I know we talked about Impy before, and he's probably one of those guys. But yeah. outside of that, there's probably no best 22 players that are having absolute stinkers. Should we talk about now, just quickly, about what you'd like to gain from the rest of the season in terms of, obviously, there's a there's a chance, albeit small, that we could not finish third last if we somehow won our two games and what is the ultimate goal sort of for the rest of the year and what our progress looks like what do you want to see obviously i don't want to move a spot up on the ladder i feel like the third draft pick is way too important um that as much as i want to win the next two games and i think that should be the goal because we need to see that these aren't just one-off performances and obviously it's not because we've just won two in a row but I'd like to keep the momentum going and creating a winning culture and getting consecutive wins out of our under our string. But yeah, I, I think just keep playing the same way, same positive footy. I mean, just finish the year well. Those players that are playing for a contract, you can tell are playing so well because they want that contract. That it's kind of the boring and simple answer is just keep playing like we have in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, my simple answer is win the rest of the games of the year and just don't jump ladder positions. It's easier said than done. But it'd be nice to finish the season off pretty strong, I reckon, and at least maybe try and beat Freya. I can't really see us winning this game necessarily on the weekend, which leads us into our tips. What are you tipping? I'm going D's by 30. I yeah, I went D's by 23. I think they're just a little bit too strong. Um, and they're a side that has to peak now. If they want to win the flag, they have to peak now. That's right. I think they've got more playing for it than us but it'd but be nice again, last two weeks was the same yeah, Collingwood right. had to peak at this time Bulldogs dogs, yeah. needed to win to make finals yep um, D's need to win yep in terms of off season we have pick 3 and pick 22 and obviously trades are also in the uh, picture as well <coughs> what are you sort of looking at oh you poor thing uh, what are we sort of looking at in terms of what you want to see in the offseason in terms of trades because it looks like our draft pan will probably say the same unless we find a sneaky way to get up the draft what, what do you think is going to happen in the offseason what do you want to happen I think we're going to be aggressive and I think uh, in the draft we're going to try and get two first rounders um, the wizard Watson being one that's an absolute we'd love him he needs yeah. to be a lock I feel like a lot of the trade targets that we we're hearing that we're going for are small forwards so that's one of our number one things we need to address other than that we need a key tool and a key uh, in both the forward and defense so we've mentioned Riccardi's being one that we might be going after Radicalia who had a really poor game on the weekend is another that we may be going after um that we also need to draft that but I feel like we're going to be really aggressive I think there's going to be surprises I think there's a reason we haven't signed Warpool as much as I want him signed and some other guys like Wingard and Morrison and all those guys that don't have contracts Brocky as well which we think's going DGB. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of movement, not just into our club, but moving on from our club. And you floated uh, Max King earlier today. Ben King. Ben King, sorry, from yeah. um, Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Uh, earlier today about a potential look into... Do you think it's possible or do you reckon we'll wait another year to his uncontracted? I feel like we've got so much money to offer 
that when he's uncontracted, no one can really say no. He can't say no to us and Gold Coast can't really match the offer. We don't want to give up anything for him. So I would wait a year and not sell the farm now. I think I agree with you. I think you line up We don't him. need him. Like, yes, we may have a small chance of making finals next year and then he gets a year to play with the boys and kind of... Yeah, I think whatever, it's better to give up less for a player, maybe like Riccardi or another supporting yeah. forward that looks promising, than go for the big boy and give up all your collateral. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah, I, I think so too. So I, I wouldn't sell the farm, but he's a player that I'm super excited about um, and I want at the club. I just don't, I can't fathom giving up so much for him so soon. The other two key position targets in Radigalia and Mackay, what do you sit on those two boys? Nah. Get away from them. Radically, it looks shocking on Friday night. <sighs> they're, just, they're just not the answer. Like, I feel like they're the best of a bad bunch available. That we're yeah. kind of like, oh, we really need to address this. I agree. And we need a ready-made key defender. Because you can't draft a key defender in hope that they're going to... It just takes a while, doesn't it? ...to make an yeah. impact. So I don't know where it's going to come from. But both of those guys aren't the answer. That I would almost say that if we are to draft Riccardi, he's shown that he can play back there as well. That we almost make him a defender mm, and yeah. don't make him and or kind of let's see what happens if he can make the second swing, tour swing around a bit make him a bit of a swing man like, like himmelberg would have been perfect he signed uh with with the giants but he would have been perfect yeah, to have as the as that option but maybe Riccardi's that guy that is a good age uh, i think he kicked three tonight against port adelaide or maybe even more um He's the guy that we need to go after. Yeah, so... Good who, age bracket. So, obviously, we've got pick three, which you want the wizard for. Yeah. Similar with me. Then we've got 22, which, you know, will be interesting to see. I think we'll trade there. up. Well, we've got to get McCabe. Yeah. So, we've got to try and get enough picks uh, to, to get him in. And he's a sort of a medium-sized defender. He's like... Do you know what? Uh, the more I watch McCabe, the more I think that he's a little bit of a Josh Weddle, just probably without the, the speed. Right. Um, he, he's a little bit undersized. Yeah, Weddle's been very useful, I'll say, for us. I mean, yeah. I I don't think he's in his best position, but he's been a more than serviceable key defender just to hold the fort because today he actually did an all right job considering I feel like his first take, season. McCabe will probably take Weddle's role because he's more of a natural defender um, and Weddle will eventually push Morrison out of the wing spot. The one guy I want to talk about quickly and he seems to be forgotten is where do we sit on CJ? Oh, good, good point. Yeah. Obviously, we haven't really seen CJ's strengths at all this year because he didn't have a great year. And anyway. it's easy to miss uh, to not miss the players that aren't playing sometimes. Well, like, I, th- I think he's one that we haven't missed to be honest too much because we've just popped people in his position that have done almost a serviceable enough job. Like Seamus Mitchell Josh seems Weddle, to fit in. Josh Weddle, yeah. Scrimshaw's come back in. Uh, it's a hard one because he offers so much like damage when he's good, but his weaknesses are high. He's fumbling. His poor disposal. Yeah, I almost think that you'd you'd have to look in for a potential trade there as well. Yeah, what I do you agree. Think? I agree. I think he has currency. Yeah. I think a lot of clubs look at him and how explosive he is and Damaging how exciting. Halfback. Yeah, he has a little bit of X factor about him that I feel like whatever we get in return is going to be good. And and we're in control of that because I'm pretty sure CJ is also contracted, so we can kind of accept what we think's worth him and what are we. The ball's in our court with CJ. So if we get a really nice deal for CJ, um, then of course let's look at that. Yeah, I think you hold him unless you can find a good deal for him. Because yeah. let's be honest, his best a couple of years ago was amazing. Absolutely, and people do have off years. I mean, Warplight a couple of off years there, and he's he's returned to form. 
I've always thought that maybe we can try and lower him on the forward line for a bit of damage, but I think he's best when he's sort of sprinting through the line. So I don't yep. really know. I, I, it's really hard. I think also we, what we have to think about is we've been pretty lucky this year without too many injuries. Yeah. Where you need depth on your list. Like you can't have players like, you know, first season average players coming in. You want good depth. Like it, it was great having Morrison come back and steady the ship. It's good to have good depth if that makes sense. So CJ coming in for a player who's gone out, it's not the worst thing to happen. So I think probably hold him for another season, see what he's worth, and then maybe look into it. But uh, yeah, that's my opinion. Absolutely. Where can you find us? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and any podcasting hosting platform. Absolutely. And we don't need to go through them because I'm sure you know where to find us by now if you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, and thanks for the messages. We got a, we got a few nice messages. We got a few nice messages this week um, from a lot of you. Um, so keep them coming. Thanks for the support. Um, and give us a nice review if you like what we're doing because that helps our rankings for more Hawthorne supporters like you to go find us and join in the conversation. So thanks for all your support. And hopefully we get the win next week. Go Hawks. That's right. Go the Hawks.